Thank you. Thank you, Shannon. Shannon Lewis, everybody. Wonderful. Wonderful. A talent right here from Victory Church, and we have a truckload of that kind of talent all over the place. You never know the person beside you might be more talented than you could ever imagine. It's the way it works. Christmas at Victory. This is the first Christmas carol. What do you consider to be the greatest Christmas uh, carol that's ever written? And uh, you think, well, maybe the person beside you has one that they might have in mind, or a Christmas song. We know that there's those that might say, well, was it written by Irving Berlin, or was it sung by Mel Torme? Or somebody say, my favorite song is, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. But some might say, no. It's silent night. Holy night. All is calm. All is bright. No, it's not that one either. It's a great effort. <laughs> Thank you very much. But the one I'm looking for was written over 2,000 years ago by a pregnant teenage Jewish girl. And we know that Mary, that was her name, went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth pronounced a blessing upon her of what was about to happen to Mary. And Mary responded by pouring her heart out in a Holy Spirit or Spirit-anointed series of words. And it's our text today. And when you read it, you say, well, I don't, I don't know if I've read it before, I guess, but kind of ran right over it. I never got much out of it. But after this morning, you'll read it differently. You kind of put yourself on autopilot and you say, we, we call that the magnificent. The magnificent. And we understand that it was banned twice. One, Herod despised it. He hated it. It upset his apple cart. It created consternation to him that was beyond the expression of words. But then we know that in the 80s, it also was banned in Guatemala. Guatemala banned it. It was illegal to recite Mary's song in public. And you have to wonder, well, why in the world did they do that? No one ever banned away in a manger. No one ever banned Santa baby. They didn't ban that one. But they banned this song, The Magnificent. You see, it's our understanding that, that the words of that song, better known as Mary's Prayer, you'll see it in your, in your scripture. Why do you think it was so powerful? Because as we go through this message today, you'll see the parallel of what God was doing in the life of Mary as those words poured out. It was truth and hope for people who were downtrodden. It was written for those people. It was written for the oppressed, for those that, that had not learned yet what it meant to be engaged with a personal Savior. It's actually the Word of God that poured forth from this 14-year-old, and we have it recorded in Luke 1, verse 46. So if you have your Bible, your iPad, 
Whatever it is that you use, here we go. Or you just might want to say, well, there it is on the screen. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped us serve in Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So you wonder why we stick with Israel? You wonder why that the Jews are is, uh, is God's favorite people? It's because it's right here, the descendants of Abraham. And if you're going to be on anybody's side, be on the side of the people that God loves. Somebody say amen. And when Mary sang her song, when those words came out, it finally made its ways to the ear of the king. And you know who the king was. The king was? The king was? Juflap. In the Greek, in the English, Herod. <laughs> now, what was his name again? Herod. 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 You see, Herod, in every respect of the word, was demonized. Some call him Herod the Great. And we know quite a bit about him because of the Jewish historian Josephus. Herod had given the title of, of king of the Jews some 30 years prior to this moment. And that took place by the Roman Senate, but he had to fight to get the title. He got what he wanted and he knew how the world worked. He knew how the political systems, he knew how to make deals in the back rooms. He knew when to stand up, he knew when to sit down because his goal was whatever it takes one day, I'm going to sit on that throne and that throne and all that power is going to be mine. For example, when Julius Caesar was assassinated, Herod the Great was able to convince Mark Anthony, Mark Anthony, you need to now take over the throne. Now, the reason that Herod the Great told Mark Anthony to, hey, fight for the throne, because he knew that whoever would take the throne at that time eventually would be taken out and it would open the door and Herod would think, well, it just looks like I'm the one candidate to sit on the throne. Friend, he created more difficulty and more anxiety and more pain on God's people than any other king in his day. He was married at least to 10 different wives. Hello? He probably had 12 at least. And then he had 43 children, give or take one or two. Hello? 
How many of you believe that the Bible did us good when it said one wife? Hello? May I see your hand? Not 10 or not 12. How many of you ladies would put up with another wife? Nope. You know why? Men can't. Anyway, let me move on. <laughs> All his marriages were politically motivated. You came from a family that he wanted to impact. He married your daughter even if she was ugly. Because she will help me as a stepping stone get to where I need to be. He was obsessed with power. And he knew how that part of the world happened to work. And the only wife he ever loved, only one that he ever really loved was Miriam. And he was obsessed with her. Okay. So here you got Herod. He was demonized. But he's got one woman out of all of those wives that really his heart pitter-patters for. And it's Miriam. So she bore him five children in seven years. That's quick. Five in seven. But he didn't trust her. Somebody spoke into his ear. And so because he didn't trust her, fearing that she might in some way or another double-cross him because he was not a con he was not the kind of person that was really nice, but he loved Miriam. He had her executed. Can you imagine that? The only one that he loved, he had her executed. And not only that, he thought his mother-in-law, his mother-in-law was out to get him too. Well, you know what he did? He had old mom-in-law executed, got rid of her. Well, what an individual. How, how evil is he that he would do that? He had two sons that were given to him by Miriam. He thought they were going to be ambitious. So he smothered them to death. His barber said something wrong one time, trimming his hair, that Herod didn't like intimidated, and the barber was executed. Wow. On his deathbed, he had another son under guard. And so it is, five days before he died, he said he went ahead and gave the order for that son to be annihilated. Why? Protecting his power. You see, he was known for his magnificent buildings, all those projects, nicknamed Herod the Great. Well, who do you think gave him his nickname? He did. I'm Herod the Great. In Jesus' day, the temple was called Herod's Temple. How do you think he built it? From all those people oppressed, all those people without hope, all those people by overtaxing them, by, by giving economic policy that they could not survive. He literally crushed them and ground them into the ground. And many of the stories that Jesus uses, remember that, hey, the owner of the land went away or the master went away and left behind the servants and what they're going to do with the property. That's what a lot of times that's what happened. Herod would come in, seize a person's property and then have them annihilated and take over. Why? To build his kingdom, to finance his kingdom. He became wealthy on the backs of those who served him, who had no voice. How vile was he? When he was dying and he knew death was near, he had his security, 
his security force take 70 of the choice citizens who had influence, who had name recognition. And he had them arrested. And he said to them, when it looks as if I'm dying, I want all 70 of those individuals executed. He knew that if in fact he died, that they would party in the streets. He thought, I'll combat that by having 70 people. Somebody's related to at least one or two of these 70. So there won't be a party. There'll be crying and weeping. And people will assume, many will assume that they're crying and weeping because I died. Most knew that was not the truth. And so 70 people, when Herod died, were executed. He knew all the players. You see, friend, we know that challenges are all around us today. It seems like that there are forces of darkness that are against the church, against religious activity, against the kingdom of Almighty God. And it seems like that the church often is outnumbered and outmaneuvered and outfoxed and intimidated on every side. And the challenge is it seems like we're in an uphill battle. COVID has come along and made things worse. And with COVID there, churches are still trying to come back. We're between 60 and 65% of our regular congregation coming back. The balance is online. But I'm not believing that all the balance is online. Some people just have quit watching and quit coming. And it is for them that we pray and eventually get them back. And another two, well, my Lord, Pastor, how long is this going to last? I don't know. Someone asked me, Pastor, are you going to take the vaccine? They asked me if I'm going to take it. I said, if it's legit, I'm in. Amen? I'm in. Somebody said, well, don't you think there ought to be so-and-so? No, I'm, I'm just grateful to God. I have an opportunity to say, here I am. Stick it in. I get flu shots every year. How many join me? I get flu shots. I get tick shots. Fleas, I get them all. I take more vitamins than you could imagine. The point is, when people think, what are we going to do? How are we going to manage it? God says, don't worry. Herod seemingly is in control now. I want to bring this point to you. You might think that the enemy of our soul is in command and in control. But we'll give you a little yard talk. He ain't. Amen. Our God knows exactly what's going on every moment of every day. Amen. 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 Nothing happens without his knowledge. So here we go. There's Herod killing his own wife, killed his own mother-in-law, killed his own sons, pressing people down. Nobody has a prayer, but, but Mary goes over to Elizabeth and Elizabeth says to Mary, Mary, something good's going to happen to you. It's going to blow your mind. And the anointing hit Mary 
And she gave us the Magnificat. And then as she's moving along and she's in that third trimester, God appears to the Magi. Don't underestimate what God is able to do. I'm always encouraged by that because I remember in the scripture, God made a donkey talk one time. So I never get built up much with pride at all, knowing that God can use a donkey. Surely he can use me. Thank you for not saying amen. God appears to the Magi. The Magi, they have wealth, they have gifts. They find the manger, the place where there's no room to lay your head. And when they find it, they have gifts to be able to offer. And they ask this question, where is the one who is the king of the Jews? Mary, did you know? He knew. Where is he? Didn't take long for word of that question to get to the ears of Herod. What king? What baby? Ah, it says in Matthew 2, when Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Why Jerusalem? Because they knew, buddy, if Herod is upset, we all could be victims. Herod is upset because what he received was this, get this now, was a supernatural message. And it came straight from the throne of God. Somebody say amen. Straight from the throne of God. Do you know what? You know when God is speaking to you, don't you? I mean, you, your mom and your dad or your husband and your brother, your wife, somebody speak. But let me tell you something. If you've ever been around a relationship with Jesus, you don't have to second guess. You know when God has spoken to you. And Herod knew, my Lord, have mercy. This message shakes me up. But hear the words to Mary's song and her prayer. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. Uh, get a load of this, Herod. He has brought down rulers from their throne. Get ready, Herod, to be unseated. He has sent the rich away empty. Herod, you're going to lose it all. Why? There's a baby but this baby is the son of God. This ain't no ordinary baby. He received that message, you know, that he took on all the little boys to 
get rid of them. This is not a Hallmark card that they have received. It becomes a theme song for Mary and many other people. But only two people really knew. Who was it? Only two people. Mary, the little 14-year-old Jewish girl, it brought her hope. And for old Herod, it struck fear in him. Herod the Great, the most powerful and wealthy, and married approximately the 14-year-old Jewish girl. They knew what was going on. It's no wonder, old little town of Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. God makes no mistake. Let me tell you something, friend. If you're on a journey of discouragement and a journey of fear, you're on a journey of anxiety, you're on a journey of no hope, let me encourage you, take your hand upon the hand of the one who is strong and able and rise up out of that and say something is stirring in Bethlehem in my heart. Mary, did you know church? Do you know our God? Our God is in control and he's at the right hand of the Father ready to do something strong and big in you. Well, that was about a haphazard clap. So the rest of us, let's put it together. Amen. Somebody said to me, Pastor, aren't you concerned? Aren't you concerned about what the world is going through? Absolutely. And you'd be a fool not to be concerned about what's going on. But I'm concerned when my french fries aren't hot. <laughs> so we have Mary. Herod feared. This is it. God's poking him a little bit. I love it. Poking him a little bit. Because Herod realized, hey, everything I've worked for, everything I've killed for, is about to be lost because of one baby. Oh, he now heard, he heard the song. It says, he's brought down rulers, lifted up the hungry and the humble, he filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. And he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. <laughs> Why? Because a reversal is about to take place. A reversal. So what I'm suggesting to you is that we're right on time in your life cycle. We're right on time in our nation, just right on time. Our world and our planet is right on time. But I believe that Gabriel is practicing his horn. And right on time, The trumpet will sound. And the old dead bodies and white bleached bones will come out of that grave with new skin and flesh and a spiritual nature and be caught up to meet with the Lord in the air. And he will say people like Herod, governments like Herod, cultures like Herod, you are done. It's over. That's why I get up every morning. 
with hope in my heart to believe. Mary knew. And now I know. Are you with me? Dallas Willard speaks of this and called the law of inversion. It simply said, who's in, who's out, who's up, who's down? Who are the winners and who are the losers? Saw a t-shirt the other day, if winning isn't everything, why don't we keep score? It's the law of inversion. Well, we know what the world says today. Okay, try this on for size now. Here's what the world says, the culture, that is the Herod culture. We know who the blessed are. Blessed are the beautiful. Some of us, some of us didn't, make, didn't make it. Blessed are the rich. Some of us not there. Blessed are the successful. Still working on that. Blessed are the secure. Blessed are those who got what they were after. Blessed are those who know how to climb the ladder. Blessed are those who know who counts and who doesn't count. And Herod would say, bless Herod the great. Then Mary comes along. And the law of inversion kicks in. Who's going to listen to a little 14-year-old girl's message? Her son, about 30 years later or so, the magnificent was well-versed. And her son says, because of the law of inversion, change is on the way, and he starts with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who hunger now and thirst after righteousness. You see, the kingdom of God is available to those who are hungry. And God says, I'm coming after those of you who shouldn't have made it. Those of you who didn't have name recognition, those of you that didn't have enough money, for those of you that were meaner than a snake and you they think anybody could help you, for those of you that have unfairly treated God, those of you that have abused your church, those of you that have abused the conviction of the Holy Spirit, he said, I've, I've come after you. And I've come to redeem you and to love you. And that's the power of the principle. And the message is not about the principle that you have to be poor and wretched in order for God to use. God uses people with resources. We know that God uses them. It is a message that says far too many factors that come into our lives take our attention away from the fact that the best position to be in is to simply be a servant of Almighty God. What that means is Salvation Army here I come. What that means is sidewalk Sunday school, whatever I have, I give it unto you. What that means is missionaries, we support you. What that means is church door, when you're open, I'm there. What that means is, is God, you are number one in my life. Mary, did you know, brought a message to me that has revolutionized my life. And now I have purpose and hope no matter what happens in my future. My God is able 
This morning, I went uh, through the McDonald drive-through. How many of you believe that? Raise your hand. It doesn't take much faith to believe that. This young man sits on the front row. The baby's crying, and they move, moved away. But he works all night long at McDonald's. And every time I come through there before 6 o'clock, he's still there. What you preaching on today, Pastor? He goes home after getting off about 6 and gets a nap and then comes for the second service. No one's taught him any church protocol. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just glad he's here. But his little baby, he sent me word. He said, tell preacher my baby's a year old today and we're in church. Happy birthday. But going through the drive-thru, I know those people. They know me. Most people think that I have partnerships and stock in McDonald's. It doesn't matter, you still don't get a discount. <laughs> and I've never asked for one. But the one lady that I'm there that I work on, I keep saying to her, you're going to need me one day. Don't forget, I love you. And I'll be available when you call. Oh, thanks, thanks, you know, yada, yada, yada. She doesn't know what I know. She, she doesn't know how effective my prayers are. She doesn't know that one day she will need me. And I'll be ready. Thank you. But there was a new one last Sunday. Fast talking. May I take your order, please? I said, uh, what I think I heard you say <laughs> was, may I take your order, please? That's correct. What would you like? Here's what I want. I want an egg McMuffin with a folded egg and no butter on the muffin. Did you say that you wanted a sausage McMuffin? You want a folded egg? How much butter do you want on the muffin? Nope. <laughs> Told her what I wanted. Got it. 5.30. Thought, it's not 5.30. It's 3.53. So I drove around this morning. 
There she is. Now she's, she's a Latino, Spanish. Is it okay to say that? How many of you are Latino, Spanish, etc.? Okay. Is there a difference between a Cuban and a Puerto Rican? <laughs> you say, you want to start a fight, aren't you, Pastor? <laughs> Buddy, can you imagine leaving church with that kind of testimony? <laughs> She's Latin, fast-talking. I came around to the window. Looks to be about this high. She looks 21 years of age. I said, um, what college you go to? Oh, college, long time ago out of college. Was that right? Yeah. I said, uh, what did you tell me again for my egg McMuffin? And she said, 353. I said, I thought I heard you say another number. I was not going to make any suggestions. She's 353. I didn't have a dollar or two dollars or three dollars. Sharon sent me out of the house with a little larger bill. So I pull it out, gave it to her, and I start uh, I started moving in. And if you're gonna win lost people, you gotta build relationships. Did y'all know that? You gotta build relationships with people. You just do. I've even learned a little Spanish. Adios. <laughs> si. Uno. Cuantro. Alivio. 353. I said to her, uh, did you go to high school around here? No. I said, um, you have small children? She says, yes, I have seven. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> yes, I do. I said, no, you don't. She said, yes, I do. <laughs> I said, seven. Is that what you told me? Yeah. I said, did all of those kids you gave birth to? Yep, natural. Are you serious? <laughs> she doesn't weigh 100 pounds. I said, no epidural, nope. How old are they? Started out 27. <laughs> I said, you're going to need prayer. She said, I have. Need prayer a long time. Well, what's your husband do? I don't have one. Okay. I don't have one. I heard someone say the other day, if you put your wife and a dog in the trunk, when you open it up, 
The only one that's going to be happy to see you is your dog. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, When I gave her the money, she went and handed me the change. I said, no, you keep it. You need it a whole lot more than I do. Tears swelled up in her eye. She reached her hand out. I took her hand. She had a glove on. But four of the fingers had worked through the glove. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I put her there. I want to tell you something. Shannon, Mary, do you know, the Magnificent said to people like me, many times oppressed, many times hopeless, many times worn out, many times tired, many times weary, many times angry at the television because it yada, yada, yada. Many times do everything that you can to get this one in church and whatever the case. But here's what I do know. He's coming back. And you and I are not alone because his message, whosoever will, is still real and has traction. If I, the church, do not allow this culture to snuff out my enthusiasm, I'm still going to proclaim Merry Christmas. I'm still going to proclaim Jesus is Lord. I'm still going to keep on keeping on until the trumpet sounds and all 165 pounds of this body <laughs> why don't you stand up since you've gotten so humorous <laughs> how many got the message may I see your hand I want you to hold on holding on Heavenly Father, I thank you today. Nothing is impossible with you. All things are possible to them that believe. There are lost souls everywhere we look. There are people in great need. They don't even know what their need is because the devil has blinded them. But because of who you are in us, you've given us the ability to be the light that shines in the darkness. You've given us the ability to speak life and hope into the hopeless. You've given us the ability, Heavenly Father, to be excited and motivated on this Christmas season to take advantage of the privilege that we have and declare He is Lord, declare way in a manger, to declare Mary, did you know, Herod surely know. And one day old Herod passed off, lost. 
I pray in the name of the Lord for those of us in this room who are struggling with something in our lives. Maybe it's finance, maybe it's self-esteem, maybe it's a dream that seems to have crashed. Maybe it's just a plan that has failed. Maybe it's an old nagging problem physically or emotionally that's trying to raise its ugly head. I speak death to that. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, let there be a divine touch of God to interrupt that. And I pray for those right now whose heart may not be in tune with you and we need to repent. So I'm going to ask all of you in this room and online to pray this prayer after me. Here we go. Are you ready? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I believe he is the Son of God. And I believe he died for my sins. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. Please forgive me. Take over my life. Do not remember my sin. But write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I surrender to you. And I give you praise. In Jesus pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Can we do that? Amen. Please don't forget Wednesday. Do you know what? I feel like I, I'm halfway done every time when it comes altar time because we're still trying to practice. And I'm, say, and I'm, I'm really praying to say, God, we're going to create a way I can get people in this altar. Amen. I know well the greatest altar is the altar in your heart. Well, I know all that, but I just love it when people come down. How about you? So pray with me that in a God speak clearly. So don't forget Wednesday night. Don't forget to be nice when you leave the parking lot. And don't hold anything I said against me, okay? I love you, everybody. God bless you. Merry Christmas. See you Sunday. Thank you for being a part of today's